0: Hello, personal productivity enthusiasts and community. Welcome to Anything But Idle, the productivity news podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Productivity Voice. And I'm Ray Sidney Smith.
1: And I'm Augusto Pinoa.
0: And we're your hosts for Anything But Idle. This is episode 51 it's called Spring Cleaning Up Your Productivity Systems, and we're recording this on March 29th, 2021. So happy holy to those who are celebrating. Happy belated spring equinox. And uh, really, now is a perfect time uh, of the year, generally, to think about cleaning up your productivity systems really as the weather changes. For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we're having spring. Uh, For those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, you're having fall uh, upon you. And so uh, in addition to the productivity and technology news of the week, uh, we're going to cover this week our featured story, which is all about understanding what Microsoft Viva will mean for employees. And so welcome to those of you who are watching us live. Feel free to ask questions and chat in the chat, and we'll be happy to interact with you there. But each week we review and discuss the productivity and technology news headlines of the week. And we usually start that off with a theme. And so this week's theme is all about spring cleaning related to our productivity systems. And so let's kick this off, Augusto, with, with what really is the benefit of having a spring cleaning of your productivity systems? What do you think about when it, when it comes to the idea of spring cleaning your productivity systems?
1: You know, I... I didn't grow up with the concept of spring cleaning. I grew up in a country where you basically had some pretty close weather the whole year. So there was not such thing as the spring and the fall. You know, it was more rain or no rain. That was really what it was. Was raining season or no season or no rain at all? So I never grew up. Plus, I grew in a country where... People don't get rid of stuff because you don't know if you are going to be able to find the replacement when you need it. So so people storage an incredible amount of junk over the years, and that junk passed through generation to generation because of that. That said, my first conscious experience with spring cleaning and productivity came from my friend Michael Slowinski. Many, many, many years ago, Michael Flewinski began doing a clean office and redesign of his office on the spring. And if you go to his website, you will find it. And it's been years doing the same thing. And he goes and it used to be a lot more extreme than what is now, but it used to be, he take everything out of the office, furniture, cables, everything, and start bringing in one by one, whatever was useful. And the rest gets out of the, kick out of the office. And I remember the fascination the first time I saw that because I have never done anything like that. Again, I grow up in a place where you don't throw anything, right? Well, this is a dry pen. Yes, yes, but if you open it and take the ink cartridge, maybe you find another broken pen that you can fix it. That's what I grew up to. My dad, to this day, has buckets of rust screws, okay? Because maybe that's the size we need, even if it's rusted. That said, I obviously encourage the spring cleaning and I do heavy spring and full cleaning myself. And there is two things that are really important in, in my opinion in here. One is understand what change, okay? What change from your personality? Most of us are constantly changing, okay? We may not be completely conscious, but we are. Okay, the last twelve months for everybody has been extremely challenging. Okay, even if you're good, even if you, but you've been, your everything was disrupted. So, it is a great time to look at three things. That is what I said. One is, you know, what change. The second is, what is working. And there are things that are working. There's things that are working, keep it. But. The last thing is what is not working. And look around, you know, what What you have is not working. Where is, you know, what I call the, the, the bar, okay? That level where you don't want to dip below. And, and I tended to recommend to my clients that they do this in 13 categories, okay? Health, learn and growth, emotions, spiritual life, character, love, parenting, Social life and relationships, career, financial and quality of life and normally, I recommend to go in that order and the reason of that is that allows you to to go from what you have the most level of control health to what you have the least amount of um control so it is really powerful to go and when you do the cleaning, look at all this, look at all things not only that if you are you know you follow my impact journal you are coming to the second set of 13 weeks if you go with a 12-week year you are coming to the next set of uh, 12 weeks so spring cleaning comes in a really good time and it's really important as I said three things and I'm going to repeat them what change for you where you have changed what is working and what is not working and I think everybody should go through this exercise at least once a year.
0: Yeah, I have something fairly simple and similar in the sense that I use the solstices as well as the equinoxes as my anchor points for my quarterly reviews. And in those quarterly reviews, uh, so say every Four weeks, you have a monthly review, and I'm following the GTD methodology. So, of course, weekly review to weekly review to weekly review, then you get to a monthly review on those solstices as well as equinoxes. I'm choosing to do a quarterly review, and in that quarterly review, I'm really looking at an accounting, kind of taking inventory, taking stock, so to speak, in accounting lingo of the ideas behind where am I emotionally this year, where am I... Uh, you know, intellectually, where am I physically in terms of my organizational system, and where am I digitally in terms of my organizational system. And that gives me an opportunity to really just look at all of the pieces of the puzzle and get some organization there. And I find myself really naturally gravitating toward those moments in my year when I realize that that's when I need time to clean up. And it just happens like throughout the year. Now, for those of you who are maybe unaware,s I do my annual review process in October, leading up to November. So my personal year starts November one. So that's right around that moment of the year where we're where we're switching. And so between those solstices and equinoxes, I'm I'm looking at it as a, a mechanism for starting my year for based on the seasons and seasonality around the meteor 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 meteorological calendar. And um, and because of that, I, I feel like I'm kind of more in tune with the movement of the planet. And since I'm just a very science-focused person, I, I want to I wanna do those things based on what's really happening, not the more kind of, um, I don't know, banal concept of January 1, right? So I just feel more in tune with those pieces. Plus, I was born in November, so I figure I'm starting my year when I started on the planet, not when... <laughs> <laughs> Someone else told me to. Uh, so spring cleaning ends up being a really great place for me to be able to look at fine tuning during that that time frame. It's not dramatic in any particular way. It is just kind of, a, you know, like a tune up, you, you go take the car in for a tune up, you're just making sure that the pieces are there. But really, those fundamental four corners Of where am I mentally, emotionally, you know, where am I intellectually, where am I emotionally, where am I physically organized and disorganized, and where am I digitally organized and disorganized. And those really help me clean up the pieces. Any final thoughts or tips for viewers and listeners related to their productivity systems and getting organized around, say, a spring cleaning?
1: No, no, and you said something important. This is not a dramatical event. This is a tune-up. This is, you know, is what do you need to do to perform better? What do you need? What is the things, you know, it's like cleaning the car. Okay. You go and we all clean the car once in a while. Some of us clean it every time we get into the car. Some of us clean it every three weeks. Some of us clean it. Some of us don't clean it. Okay. but But, but in general, you know, people have a certain interval that they go and clean the car. It's the same thing. You you are going to make sure that you have what you need, that you get rid of what you don't need, that may have come into the system that is now making noise in there, but you don't need it. It's not going to happen. So it is a good thing. And if you don't have never done it and want to some guidance how to do it better, hey, contact me. I will be more than happy to go with you through possibility of how you can make that better.
0: Fantastic. And so with some spring cleaning done, uh, let's get into our stories of the week. So each week, of course, we cover discuss the productivity news headlines of the week. We try to bubble up, percolate the ones that we think are most important to you, and we cover those in our stories of the week. And so let's get into our stories of the week. What's our first headline, Augusto?
1: So our first headline is Google made Wi-Fi better than Bluetooth. And the article is quite interesting, talks about the new technology that Google is putting on their device, that they can share things and they can be aware of how distance it is between one device and the other. And I wonder, because lack of technology knowledge, I, and again, I'm not an Android guy, So, but how this is different than what Apple do with, um, with, with uh, AirPlay, and, and I don't know what is the answer to that. I don't even know if you know the answer to that. But but I was curious. So I was reading this saying, okay, how is this different to what the Apple has had for a while now, where you can share files using their AirPlay? And obviously, it was not Bluetooth. Otherwise, it could have been available potentially to everybody. So the technology used something more or something. Or, or at least a, a minimum of technology in the Bluetooth or the Wi-Fi, but I have never went back to research the the technicalities of how that works. So maybe you maybe you know, maybe you don't.
0: Yeah, this is a proof of concept type app, and in essence, what the folks are doing at Google is. Uh, Proving the case that they can seamlessly create Wi-Fi networks between individual applications, which we can do currently in many different manifestations across many devices where you can create, in essence, a temporary Wi-Fi network between devices. Uh, This is not trivial, though, and that's what this application is hoping to prove which is, as we know, we can transit lots of data very quickly across Wi-Fi networks. That's the primary way in which most people light up their homes in terms of of Internet connection. They go from a router, they set up a Wi-Fi router uh, or a hub connected to that, and that's propagating information. What they're really saying here is that why do we need to connect um, with an intermediary like an individual router that is doing all of the handshaking necessary. Now with Apple, with airplay, it's using multiple technologies in order to make that handshake happen today. That's how Android does it as well. If you wanted to be able to share something you needed to, and Samsung does this on their devices as well. There needs to be this multiple handshake perspective to be able to have a secure connection there. Uh, now just deciding to utilize some of the Wi-Fi specs to be able to do that handshake without the need of other other technologies. Meaning that you and I, if we were in vicinity of each other, could now securely transit information between each other and not have to need our Bluetooth, which can you know be insecure potentially depending upon which version of Bluetooth my device runs versus yours. And we can do that with high throughput. Meaning that we can, if you and I wanted to play, say, a game together, you and I could play that game without the need for a Wi-Fi, especially if we're both on 5G, we're in essence reversing kind of the order of things. Now we have a 5G connection and we're actually playing simultaneously with each other, not through the internet, but through our own uh, protocol Person to person. And so that peer to peer protocol is really what they're trying to prove here. And that's why they built this app, is kind of just to show everybody that this could be done. And I think we'll see further uh, use of this uh, model going forward. Cool. All right. Some more Google news.
1: So our next news comes. And uh, Google Chat is starting to add or add granular notification controls why this cannot be copied by anybody else or everybody else, you know, uh, you will be able to get Notify Always, Notify Less, or Notification Off. And, you know, it's not a secret, the The number of notifications we all get. Okay? I I get notifications from a Slack from, from clients, from Google Teams, from other clients, from, you know, text messages. It, it can get really really taxing and it will be really awesome to be able to do this much more granular you know right now you are a binary you can get notifications or not notifications and it will be useful to be able to get you know as it is envisioned right now okay that you get hey every mention that includes you you will get the notification but in, in at least on the middle tier notify less but if they just are talking, you will not get that notification. And that will be so useful to, to everybody and to reduce the fatigue of the notifications. Because there is a moment that everybody just turned them off and can hear any one of them. And then there is a the risk to miss important stuff.
0: Yeah. And so this is available to all tiers of Google workspace. And those of you who are running in the Google workspace space, uh, eventually I presume this will come to Google's consumer, uh, you know, options. Uh, so the free tier of Google chat, but the idea that you can go room by room and reduce the, the number of notifications so that you can just overall have less noise and more signal. I think is a great productivity boost so i'm really glad to see it i went through all of mine and i set all of my rooms to my notification settings and i was very happy to to do that i'm on the rapid release schedule so i got the uh the update almost immediately and and decided to start setting them and i'm glad i did all right in a rare move of of partnership google and microsoft are teaming up on something what's going on there augusto
1: well, they, they're they really teaming on trying to make Edge and Chrome work, fix the compatibility issues, make things work much better. And, you know, Microsoft finally went to Project Chromium, finally make Edge in Chromium, and they're really trying to bring it to the Edge, trying to make things better, compatible for both. And I love the fact that they're doing this. How long is it going to last? Nobody knows. But at least it's a nice, good news in the technology world for now.
0: Well, I think this makes a lot of sense. I mean, they have now gone to this point where Google and Microsoft, as well as really the major browsers that are out there, aside from Apple, which has continued to stay in the Safari world and probably will. That's just the the nature of of the Apple ecosystem. Those major browsers have have all now been based on Chromium, Uh, Microsoft Edge, Google Chrome, Opera. Uh, Brave, you name it, they're all now based on the Chromium project, which means that they can actually coordinate some of these efforts and reduce the overall impact, which of course means for us a better, more seamless browsing experience. So, you know, I think that is just a great note all across the board. So going from Google and Microsoft teaming up to now Microsoft Teams, (laughs) what's Microsoft Teams doing?
1: Teams display will now support custom backgrounds and live reactions to the meetings.
0: Right, and this is for people who own Microsoft Teams displays, that is the the devices themselves. Uh, Now, if you have a Microsoft Teams display, you will be able to have custom backgrounds and live reactions in the meetings. And so these are separate devices built by different manufacturers that allow you to be able to do that, which is nice because you might want to have a dedicated meeting device sitting on your desk and have that now put in a background so that doesn't you have to show the kids pictures on the wall or whatnot that you don't want to show in a meeting so really nice to see that of course these. sorry no i was just saying these features are already available in the desktop version so bringing them to the physical footprint of these uh, bespoke devices i think is just a great new tool you were going to say
1: and I, and I think that's something that many people has learned in the pandemic and, and open really a market for these kind of devices because before this, you know, having the separate device to have the meeting where the meeting will not be distracted, where you can make notes, really make a difference in the productivity. You know, I have a couple of stations here in my office and both have two two. Devices, so there is one device that only do the call that doesn't get anything else, and the other one where I'm taking the notes, sending the emails, whatever. It's happening on the interaction, but then it doesn't get camera on, camera off, camera on, camera off. You know? That it's annoying for the rest of the world who is on that meeting.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited here because I have gone to the uh, step of I, I just bought a new phone, and so I was bu- I bought the new phone, and uh, because I bought it through the Google Store, I get Google credit you know i'm i'm a google one member so i've been waiting for the credit to like show up in my account cuz now i have like enough money as credit in the system to then pay it forward and purchase all, a new uh, Nest Hub, whatever the larger Nest Hub is, Nest Hub Max or whatever, which has the built-in camera, which now means that if I have a Google Meet meeting or a Zoom meeting, now I can have that on the device exclusively, and it'll it won't be for business meetings, but it's like you know when my siblings we act, throughout the whole pandemic, you know, my siblings and I have been meeting, uh, you know, at least one weekend a month, maybe sometimes more though often than that, uh, more often than that to just you know hang out and spend time and see the see the nieces and nephews and see the the fur babies and uh, it's been really nice to be able to engage with each other in that way but it would be nice to have that dedicated device that just can have everybody on the screen and especially when i'm here at my desk i can do that in that in that way and or you know if my mother wants to call me she can call me from her phone and it'll just show up on the display and i can have now that dedicated uh, video device so the more that these devices kind of make their way into your world, the more you see the use of them and they become much more productive because you're able to do these extended things that you really wouldn't have thought about doing before the pandemic. And so I'm really I'm really pleased to see these new uses coming onto, onto the market and the devices being able to have the capacity to do these kinds of things that I think, I mean, like. You know, AT&T back in the '60s was it? You know, they talk, talked about the video phone concept in the in the future world, uh, you know, uh, uh, display. And now here we are with truly the ability to now have face to face phone calls in in these devices sitting on your desk or on your kitchen counter or whatnot. And I'm really pleased to see this coming up. All right, moving right along to some unfortunate news for Microsoft Cortana users, <laughs> which is that uh, Microsoft has decided to announce that Cortana on Android and iOS will be discontinued. And so this has been in and in our discussions of certainly over the past six months, you've heard us talking about this, which is that Cortana is going away in the traditional consumer sense. And so just be mindful of the fact that you're going to see more and more of Cortana disappear from the front end of Microsoft. And that means on the enterprise side, you'll see more of Cortana being baked into other things. Uh, but the reality is, is that Cortana's days have been numbered for a long time. Microsoft just hasn't been able to challenge Google Assistant or the Amazon line of devices or the Apple uh, assistant. And so here we are with Cortana really um, getting another nail
1: That's put the into only the word you can say freely on a podcast and will not wake up anybody's device. I don't understand what you say has been. Number if we're number even before he was out. But
0: okay. I was actually very pleased with what Cortana could do in the early days and uh, and so it's sad now to see that it they, they scaled back. I mean it's very similar to the Windows phone concept. You know, Microsoft really made a strong play at it early on and they saw the lack of viability and, and pulled back. And I felt as though they could have probably pushed forward a little bit harder and maybe made maybe they wouldn't have been the dominant phone on the planet. Uh, ever but they could have been a third of the market maybe 20% of the market if they really kept pushing some some uh there but the reality is that you know Microsoft is playing a much bigger game than simply you know playing on the consumer market for mobile devices so all right a little bit of hacking news a little bit of grammarly let's do let's do the hackers news what's going on there
1: oh well you know hackers has been you know, using infected websites to get into iOS devices. There is a new iOS that update that came out, an emergency update, 14.2.1. Uh, so if you have not update, please do. Uh, yes, that really was
0: 14.4.2, right?
1: 14.4.2, yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I, I got that update and I've I've applied my patch.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> so if you have not, apply your patch. And, you know, it's... It's really the the only reason this news was there was to really tell people if you have not update your patch
0: yeah and while while I'm on my soapbox here, really quick pSA uh, today I got an email from some random uh, person, not random, because I knew the person, but ever so vaguely, and it's one of those clear scams where someone's email was compromised and they were sending me a message. Oh my gosh, you know this thing, this situation's happening. Can you can you uh, purchase a gift card on my behalf and I'll reimburse you? That kind of scam nonsense. Just note that I've been hearing. A lot of people experiencing this recently. I don't know why, but just anecdotally, I've heard a lot of people telling me, "Hey, I recently got this, and I've had to tell them just delete the message. You know, do not respond, do not allow. You know, do not do anything. Don't click on links, uh, because it just seems that it's a it's happening a lot more for some reason. That being the case, if you get any emails, that just seems strange that someone's asking you to do something that would be weird. Uh, now is the time to be a little bit more scrupulous with regard to the email, you know, study a little bit more, contact the person via some other method, like calling them or messaging them through Twitter or something like that to see whether or not they are actually the person sending you that message because it's likely not. It's likely some kind of hoax or spam. All right, moving right along to Grammarly.
1: Well, Grammarly now have available for iOS and iPhone a tone detector. So they will, Grammarly, it's fantastic. It will fix your grammar, fix all this. But now it tells you, it's analyzing your text and telling you what kind of tone you're using, and it's, you know, it's funny because in a lot of that's a joke that it's been for years on text messages. You know, when you respond, and especially with close friends, more than business, but you know, and, and the person respond to you back and say, "Which tone are you reading this message?" <laughs> I think you read it as the wrong one. So you know, it's it make me laugh more than anything else. I I have not tested, but it is. But it's used used grammarly on the iPhone, on the Android. you know this this will this could be useful, you know, especially now the text happens more. We are trying to make it happen even more.
0: Yeah, and this was already available in the desktop versions of the browser extensions that people were using. Now they've brought this to both iOS and Android within the mobile applications, which is fantastic. And so that brings us to our halfway point in the show. And we will be back after the break with more of our headlines this week. But first, a word from our sponsor, Productivity Voice. See you after the break. Are you feeling that you need help implementing a personal productivity system, a goal, or a habit like the weekly review? Do you need help making your current system more robust? Do you want a quick checkup of your current systems to ensure they are the best solutions for you? With more than 20 years of experience in technology, personal productivity, and GTD, Productivity Voice can help you review, renew, create, or fine-tune your system and your personal productivity. Visit ProductivityVoice.com forward slash anything but idle for a free 30-minute consultation. Let's achieve more, enjoy more, and feel more wins in the game of being productive. Head over to ProductivityVoice.com forward slash anything but idle today. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Anything But Idle. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and I'm with Augusto Penaud, and we are starting our second half of the show with more headlines. And so with that, Augusto, what is our first headline in our second half of the show?
1: The first headline is an article from Leah Nijoki that says, How I Skyrock My Productivity Without Burning Out. And there's a couple of things I like about this article. You know, and it's the fact that she openly said not all productivity strategies work with for everybody. And I think that's so important because we tend to people tend to believe that because it worked for them, it will work for, for everybody else, or because you prefer to work, you know, as I do on iOS, then the other platforms are not as powerful. And it's far from the truth. So, anyways. She goes into this article. Talks about you know, a couple of things. She talk about the Parkinson law, uh, the Parkinson law, okay. That is work. It will expand to the time available for its completion. You know, most of our listeners has listened to that, experienced that, and suffered that, <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, the other one she she mentioned is. One that she calls the eighty-five percent rule, and it's you dedicate eighty-five percent effort towards whatever you are doing instead of one hundred percent, and you get the work done without uh, burning out. And she called win-win. I, I don't know. Uh, um, I don't. I, I don't know about this working eighty-five uh, percent or to my eighty-five percent. I don't know if you know. I remember in my sales years, you know, you used to say that 95% and zero is around the same. So
0: no, but she's but she's but she's really saying I mean the article it she goes into this and i and I actually appreciate her explanation here because what she's really saying is that sometimes when we think we have to push a hundred percent, we're really saying to ourselves, we need to push a hundred and ten percent, especially those of us who are productivity minded, we hold ourselves to really high standards, and that gets us from starting in the first place and so what she really is saying if you set the bar lower, you're setting the standard for failure lower and therefore some of the pressure gets relieved and from my perspective it's just about starting and so this is a gimmick to be able to get you started but if it's effective for you i have no problem with that and i think that's where she's getting at is the starting component not the completing component she's she's worried about starting
1: maybe maybe and she goes with the other thing you know do it for five minutes or set up the five minutes maybe maybe you're right i again was a good article good to read but I don't know about some of those
0: things. (laughs) And I also actually really enjoyed, you know, she talked about Mark Manson's concept of finger reading. That's where she learned about it. I mean, I learned about it back in the, uh, you know, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, And so uh, but the idea of using your finger as a guide when you're reading, it's a it's a phenomenal tool for those of you who are um, having issues with regard to reading. And what we don't realize is that many times when we're reading, we are. Distracted or distractible or interrupted by things. And so having your finger kind of identifying where you are not only allows you to be able to stay focused, but it also actually allows you to speed up what you are reading because you don't realize how slow you're reading something until you see your, see something moving across. Your eyes are not necessarily designed to read, so to speak, right? They're, they're designed to take in visual cues and do what it needs to do. But reading is, is a, is an, is a, a skill that if you don't, if you don't read a lot, you're going to have uh, issues with obviously reading efficiently. And so the finger really gives you a chance to build up those muscles for being able to read efficiently. And so it's a, it was a really good tip there uh, for being able to do finger reading. So just like following the line you're reading and effectively um, going across the line really does help train your eyes. Uh, especially um, if you have say, you know, a particular lazy eye, that kind of thing that, that doesn't quite track At the same speed as the other eye. uh, Those can be really helpful for being able to give you a visual cue as to where you should be focusing your attention. That's really good. Okay. Uh, Next up, we have a tool.
1: Next up is a tool from Neurosity. And Neurosity basically came with a device called the crown you put on your head, will be measuring EGG, will measure your brain wave. And it can tell when you are distracted, when you are focused and connect with your Spotify. So it helps you, you know, it's using artificial intelligence helps you keep that focus for longer. It's, um, I was really intrigued until I see the price tag, but. um, That's
0: nearly a thousand dollars.
1: (laughs) A thousand bucks. So, uh, but Aside of that, you know, that's the first one I, I read that do this, so it may not be the last one. But aside of the price, it was really interesting to to see. You know, it is, it is really interesting how these devices and how these measurements and all this are coming to our day-to-day life. You know, what all the things that you can now measure on an Apple Watch or, or an Android Watch or an Android Wear. <laughs> and where we are going to take her, or we are taking it. And that's really, really fascinating for me. Um, so let's see where this technology takes us and what's going to happen next.
0: Yeah, so I would give a comparison between the... The Crown, which is a thousand dollar brainwave technology, to the Muse and the Muse Two. This is a headband that does the same thing—not the same thing, but it it basically does brain sensing technology in some way, shape, or form, and allows you to be able to meditate and use it for all kinds of other purposes. So, I would look at the Muse Two. That's running you only two hundred odd dollars USD. So, it's definitely worth, you know thinking about that product over the others. I know some folks who have gotten the Muse and have been very pleased with it. Uh, but the idea is, is that it allows you to meditate and, you know, use it in that, in that way. I'd be curious to see whether or not it actually can connect to music over time. I, I haven't seen anything about it connecting to music other than the guided meditation that's built into the application that connects to it. But it has an accelerometer, it has a pulse oximeter, it has, uh, you know, the, I'm not sure whether it has an EEG in it, but it has some kind of you know um, measurement for uh, for heart rate. And uh, so it's it's a pretty neat device, and again, predominantly focused on meditation and focus. And so i'm I'm just curious how the crown and the Muse match up or the Muse two match up to each other. but I would go with something more like the Muse over the crown because I can just play music. <laughs> I don't need someone to play Spotify for me. Uh, so I don't really see the, see the great use there. All right. Moving right along to our next story this week, which is a lot of woo woo probably works. What's that all about? Augusto? you are muted. We
1: almost made it <laughs> an hour, no, 35 minutes. Anyways, it talks about how some, you know, it is, it is interesting because it talks in this particular case about meditation, Reiki, energy, healing, uh, but then it goes to really what was interesting and are things that work before we know how they work and and how acceptance of new ideas is the last things that happen you know and um talks about this the stage and stage one, nobody knows stage two you know some people do some people don't you know now right, some people start believing this work and stage four you know years of research finally make it to the world and now less people is doubting and this is interesting especially you know in in the line of the article about energy healing and meditation and reiki and and these things and how they're making their way into into our natural you know it used to be a really clear distinction between what the west and the east you know the orient believe and what was one or the other you know and we are seeing finally coming to a more mixed of them you know where the preventive med- the preventive medicine has a value as well as the tradition what we call traditional medicine and how really using both you can get more of that so um, enjoyable article to be honest with you
0: yeah i think i think that science doesn't have boundaries when it comes to these things and many of our ancient medicine Needs to be validated in some way, shape, or form. And it's because it hasn't been given credence out the gate. People tend to think of it as being, you know, unsubstantiated and therefore pseudo science or pseudo medicine. We'll run it through scientific rigor. Let's let's look at the research. Uh, I frequently find myself um, kind of appalled by the fact that people uh, dog the idea of, you know, if someone if someone thinks that they're going to get better, that somehow a bad thing. <laughs> and uh, we know that determination and willpower and and these kinds of things are just good for people. Having hope is good. Um, I'm not I'm not against people having hope. We want scientifically validated cures, we want good medicine, but we shouldn't be turning our backs on potentially good things. We know there's a lot of ancient medicine that needs to be studied so we can see whether or not it works. If it doesn't work, well, I'm happy to have science tell us that. Uh, But if it does work, then I don't want to turn our back on it. Uh, You know, there's penicillin, you know, uh, any number of things come from nature. And so why not look at other things that could potentially come from that? And Uh, What's the uh, uh, what's the effect that it's escaping me right now? The idea that if you um, uh, placebo effect, uh, that was what I was thinking of, you know, people frequently forget that the placebo effect works. It's not like it's it's like, this is not like, oh, this is, you know, some kind of woo woo thing the placebo effect actually works in a lot of categories of of work. And what we're trying to understand is how placebo effect works against other treatments. If I believe that I'm going to get better at something, that's not to say that I will. Uh, but there are certain cases where that is the case. And we should we should want science to validate those things. Uh, I'm, I'm as um, dedicated to science as the next person. But I think we spend a lot of time trying to be us against them as opposed to No, everything is subject to us studying it for those purposes. And when it doesn't work, we should call it out. And then we look at other ways to be able to help people live better lives. But I I feel like this whole notion that we should be um, thinking about things as being us versus them is, um, you know, yeah, uh, as as uh, Julie's noting in, in in here, there have been several studies on how the placebo effect works, even without uh, uh, the blinding of the person to the fact that they are they are taking a placebo. The placebo placebo effect can work even if you know you're getting the placebo. So we have seen um, countless experiences of that happening, uh, and that's really phenomenal. I think it's just it's strange. <laughs> But it's great to know that that's the case. So I'm gonna get off my soapbox there, and let's move on to our next story, Augusta. What's our next story?
1: Our next story, it's called the two scheduling met- methods to better time management. And your time is pressure, and should you should be audited. So the 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 one is the day before routine, and this method basically requires you to sit down the night before and list your objectives and you know that is really useful for for everybody the, the other one is so plan as you go you know and i my life requires a lot more organization than plan as you go uh you know i know people who can plan the next 4 hours and be more productive than what i can be but my life requires a lot more so i can work with the stress and the time and the planning and, and all that. So I, for one, play the night before, you know, plan my day, plan my goals and all that. I am not great at saying, oh, let's plan it as it it's not. It's not that I don't do it, but I don't feel that my days are as good or as productive when I do it that way versus when I go the night before and plan, you know, what are the goals, what, what I expect to to accomplish, and everything else.
0: Yeah, and I think this, again, ends up being an East meets West argument. I think that I do a little bit of both. I follow and uh, have always adhered to the idea of planning at the end of my day for the subsequent day. So I have some closing up of my current day. And even when my days have been of late ending very, very late, uh, I still spend the time to just close up my day. Uh, but then throughout the course of my day, I'm still doing the practice of really checking in with my work, where I am, and uh, making course correction, making adjustments as I go. And I think you're doing the same thing. I think that what they're really talking about is being a little bit more loosey-goosey with regard to how they're working.
1: Correct. And that, and that's and I, I, the, the, the readjusting need to happen. No plan. You know, they said that they... Rocket to the moon is adjusted every 60 seconds. Okay. It's you need to adjust your day with you plan and you adjust through the day so you can get to the end of it. What I get from the article was a lot more loose than that. You know, you you go by the seat of your pants, and I cannot go by the seat of my pants. This will never get anywhere. Yeah.
0: And there are people that's who can do getting
1: it. Getting into the couch and read and drink coffee, but that's, that sounds fantastic. Except. <laughs>
0: Yeah, some people can do it, some people can't. I think that for me, all things kind of mixed in moderation. I like the hybrid of being able to have the flexibility to be dynamic in and as a part of my day. And so even as I approach my day with a plan, I know that things can change, and I'd have to throw out one plan and replace it with another. And I feel like having a strong system gives me that capability, and I'm appreciative of of the work that I put in to making sure that I can do so. And so for those of you who are out there, just know that that is a possibility, that you can have a, a fairly structured plan for your days and for your weeks and still change and still be productive on the other side of each week. And that's the way in which I look at it. Okay. Harper's Bazaar put out an article about, uh, with the question, is productivity passe? Embrace the power of doing less. I, um, I both Enjoy reading these articles and hate them at the same time. I don't hate anything, but I, I dislike them <laughs> at the same time. Uh, what did you think about this article, Augusto?
1: You know, the reality is the article, you know, I, I love how the article starts saying, well, I was going to write 1,000 words, write one, and then reward myself, you know, and do this and that. And do I have done that? Yes. But I have not done that because my productivity system, I can go and review and know what's going to explode between now and eleven AM next morning, and then I can decide that the best and most appropriate things to do is go with my kid and play. But it's because I have a productivity system what allows me to do that. Even when I feel, you know, that is falling apart. And yes, there are moments that mine feels like it's falling apart. Again, I need that tune up, that weekly review to turn up and, and Tied up what needs to be tied up. It is really that what allows me to have that kind of flexibility and what allows me to enjoy flexibility. So these articles, you know, it is, they're okay, but they are really looking into how can I get three more readers? And I don't know. I believe you need some kind of productivity system if you want to to get things done. And yeah, I understand not everybody wants. If you don't want to, great. But if you want to get things done, you may need one.
0: I think that the central thesis of the article was that uh, there's a sense of mindfulness that is afforded one when you take the means to get there. And for me... Having a productivity system is what facilitates my ability to do that. Uh, Frequently, as David Allen says about the getting things done methodology, which is that getting things done is not so much about getting things done as knowing what you're not doing. And my ability to be able to set things aside gives me the ability to focus and be present. And if presence is kind of the aim here, then I'm not quite sure productivity is passe for me because productivity means my ability to be present. I don't have to think about all of the other things that I would, could, should do at this very moment because I am here. And by being here, I don't have to be anywhere else because I have a good system in place. And that's truly what I define as productivity in my own world. And so this notion that somehow uh, productivity can become passe, I think that when we take things to extremes where everybody wants to eke out more time out of every day, when time is immutable and you can't, you can't create more time, time uh, not at least on this planet, um, you know, without extreme forms of time dilation and let's not get into, you know, colliders and the ability to smash particles and quantum physics. Right. But like we can't change the time, you know, space. And so, or space time that is. So why, why are we having this dialogue when in reality, presence, that is mindfulness and productivity, work together in that way. So the, the whole notion that somehow these are things in conflict and one can fall fall into passe, you know, um, seems a little bit trite to me. Uh, but I I appreciated the article. Like I said, I, I enjoyed the article because it was it, it helped me think about, yeah, well, why do I do this? And it reminded me why I did it, right? Which is that I have a good system so that I can be here now. And if I can't be here now, then I'm torn into the past or the future, and that really helps me um, bring myself to now, right? And um, and and Julie's bringing up a really great point here, which is um, she thinks it's also an indictment of the our productivity at all cost ethos. And uh, and and I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, we tend to think of this as being um, a, a belief system that uh, must be true. That whatever I'm doing. If everyone does it, or if I do it, I'm going to have some kind of grand edge over the rest of us. And uh, and we don't we don't we just need to live uh, good lives for our own purposes, and um, and we'll be fine. I think I think ultimately we'll be fine. Um, Julie's also noting that of course we need goals, but the issue that uh, that to live a life where our only form of sustenance seems to be to achieve is to miss out on the richness of of all life has to offer yeah i mean like you know they they it sounds kind of funny like oh you know life is the journey not the destination but the reality is is that so much of our experience is now and if we think too much about the past or the future we are we are missing out on a core chunk of what our experience is and as far as i'm aware we only get this one experience so i think that it's important for us to be able to do so so thank you for your, for those uh, thoughts Julie and moving right along then to our next article this week. You are muted once again. Two for two.
1: <laughs> That's what <laughs> happens when you start adding more technology and more mouses. And you know the the next article it's a, re- a book conversation with the author of the new book Remote Work Revolution Succeeding From Anywhere and Miss Needy, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name because I'm going to butcher, I apologize. But, you know, it is It is a really, the, the reality is as much as, you know, I laugh every time I read in the newspaper, oh, we are all going to come back and it's going to be like it was in 1999. Uh, sorry, 2019. That's what it feels like the line they're saying. The reality is remote work is here to stay. It's going to change. We are not going to maybe stay in where we are we are going to adopt something different but it's not going to go back to where it was because not employees not companies want to period you know we for years here how remote work was going to kill productivity and we show exactly the opposite but not only that many people has as many people has discovered they don't like it there is a significant amount of people who have discovered many benefits and many bright sides out of this so the book i haven't read the book i ordered the book i have not received it but the book has an interview between blandon and mrs neely into what the book, what the what is her study she has started the book three years before COVID, so it's not the last year she's been looking into this for a while now and i'm looking forward to be able to read it in detail
0: Yeah, I think that one of the core components of what she talked about, I caught the back end of her recent live event uh, back on the 24th. So I didn't actually get to see the whole thing. So I caught only a short portion of the end of that event. And I I will also read the book, but I haven't yet. And the notion behind it all, though, is that she really talks about trust as being a core component of how you go into a virtual world. And I couldn't agree with her more. I think that if employers uh, can learn to trust trust, Uh, performance and, and trust outcomes, as opposed to, you know, time in, but uh, you know, but in chair time, in essence, uh, you know, like that's, that's gotta really be understood on a fundamental level as not being an appropriate measure of, of what is labor productivity today. And so I'm really pleased to see people have been working on this. I'm pleased to see this, uh, this researcher coming out and putting out more material on it. And I'm looking forward to reading the book. All right, next up. We've got two more stories in our headlines this week. I
1: love the title of this one. Five ways to find more time to read. And, you know, I can get any help that I can, that I can find to read more. I love to read is one of those things that remove a stress for me. So I, I love that. And, you know, they talk about the five things they mention is set a reading goal, drop the false, you know, should be reading notions, you know, enjoy the book. And, read variety read whatever you want you know use the other side of the the screens you know not your habits and track your progress and track your progress when i read that remind me you know we have um old amazon kindles for for our kids and And the reason for that is they are allowed to take it to bed. I don't need to be worried about they playing, okay, those devices, they can read books or nothing. (laughs) And I have it. Amazon has a great thing for listeners with kids that is called Kinder Kids Unlimited. So they have access to a significant amount of books plus the books we buy. And last year, at the end of the year, the teacher asked us, to send a report of what my son had read. Okay. And uh, I wish to tell you, I knew exactly what he was reading. Okay. But that was not true. But when I went to Amazon and pulled the report, the teacher was impressed. How much this book, because it's the only thing they can take to bed. So the reason I begin reading digitally before Kindle and all that was exactly that. I can carry that book to this day in my pocket. So we have, with reading and writing, sometimes a wrong perspective that we need a long period of time to make it happen. And yes, sitting in the couch with a big cup of coffee and read for two hours, this is still one of my favorite things to do. How many of those two hours blocked I have? Not that many. How many 15, 20 minutes blocks I have? Many more. How many five minutes to 10 I have? Even bigger in, the, in number. So set that reading goal, you know, enjoy it and find when you can look for those pockets of time so you can read more.
0: Yeah, a couple of tips here. One is have a dedicated time to read, even if it is just 10 minutes a day. Uh, I think it's helpful to have an anchor point and you can always move that time around and, you know, try different times to see what sticks for you. I am a huge fan of the single-purpose device that is the Kindle, and whether that's a Nook or you know whatever other e-reader you use, having that limited function, single-purpose device is really powerful. It tells me that when I'm reading, I'm just reading, and it allows me to take notes, it allows me to highlight items, but I'm not doing anything but reading, and that's very, very helpful for me in terms of context.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's funny because you you have said this about your Kindle you know, in this show and many shows. So I pull mine out of the dust and set the rule that the, 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 the iPads don't go to the, they're not allowed in, in the room anymore. And I have been reading a lot more too because of that. So I tend to read when I go to bed and not having the iPad give me that, give me more time to do that. So
0: Absolutely. And then finally, I always talk about the idea that you can have multiple books in process. Now, what I try to do is I try to keep, those multiple books in different categories. So I'm not going to read multiple uh, fiction books because you're going to you're going to have a difficulty tracking the storylines, the narratives of multiple fiction books. Or at least I have difficulty in that way, and I don't feel like I'm making enough progress in the narrative. If I'm reading only 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there of any fiction piece in the nonprofit space, I'm sorry, in the nonfiction space, <laughs> I'm thinking about this from the perspective of I try to keep all of the nonfiction books in completely different areas. So I might have two or three nonfiction books in process, but they're not all going to be business books. I might have one that's in the productivity space, time management research kind of space. I might have one in the digital marketing space because that's what I do for work and teach, you know, people how to do digital marketing small business categories. I'm gonna I'm gonna have different books in process, but they don't overlap in terms of their discussions. So I'm gonna be able to keep those pieces pretty well contained. And so don't worry so much about having multiple books in process. I like to actually do my kind of leisure book Nonfiction-wise, in audiobook format, while doing my work one in Kindle format—that's reading only—and uh, then my fiction work, I tend to read uh, on on the Kindle, and so I'm reading, reading it, not listening to it. But sometimes I might listen to it and read it as well. One quick tip is that if you do find yourself not having good concentration download one of the library applications. Libby is the most popular one that runs on the OverDrive system. There's Hoopla and there's other ones out there. You can frequently get the audiobook application associated with the book you're reading. So it's actually reading it to you while you're reading it on page. And you can just click it up a couple notches from 1X to maybe 1.25X or 1.5X. And now you're reading just a little bit faster because you're pacing with what you're hearing against the page. And that of course increases your reading speed over time. So just some helpful hints to get a little bit more reading in than you might otherwise. And I know a lot of people struggle with distraction and interruption and being able to have that audio facilitating and supporting you while you're listening, while you're reading, that is, can be uh, really helpful. All right. Our final story in our headlines. Augusto.
1: So the final story is how to manage your personal use of the Internet in the workplace. And it's a really in-depth article with the risk and I don't know how relevant is still anymore in the sense that everybody has a computer in their pocket or most people have one at least in the United States um, but there is a couple of things that I the reason I decide to keep it there were two reasons one is to remind people you know that you can get to what they call cyber You know, that hey, you're surfing the web and get distracted. And I have been talking about this for many, many years. You know, learn to use multiple browsers. Use one browser for work, one browser for personal, because that allows you to reduce that, you know, what the article called cyber The The other thing. But
0: also, note from last week, we talked about Chrome profiles. So now you can have one browser and have multiple profiles. And you can, in essence, the Chrome the the Chrome look is a different color, so you can have different color, different you know profile image, so you can really separate personal and work, or even different aspects of your life. You could have you know 13 different profiles, even. So you have a lot of function and and flexibility there. Sorry, continue.
1: You no, know, no, and and that is really really important. The other thing, you know, is, yeah, companies are going to protect their balance. You know, they they're going to watch what you what you do. So this article for me. Again, I don't know how much people navigate into their work computer to do this. I mean, obviously enough to, you know, for this kind of articles, but, you know, just be mindful to what you're doing. I don't know. I I, I have seen it in places where you are not, allowed to use this. And what I see then is the people with a personal computer on their phone on the side, on the, on the thing. So, you know, with unlimited plans and all these things, I don't know really if what we need is to educate people or what we need is to lock the systems even more.
0: Yeah, I think it's about, again, going back to the the prior article about the future of virtual work is trusting employees and giving them meaningful work. People will be highly motivated if we give them meaningful work and if we trust them to get that work done. And when they infrequently, you know, as it might happen, disappoint us, there are ramifications for that. There are negative consequences for not getting the work done. But for the most part, people aren't going to disappoint you. They are motivated to do meaningful work. And so with that, That closes out our headlines for this week and brings us on to the new tools of the week. So Augusto and I come across many personal productivity tools and services each week. And so in new tools of the week, we each bring you a tool we think you might like. That may not be uh, absolutely new, but it's hopefully uh, new to some of you, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So this week, uh, we have two tools. Our first tool is my tool of the week, and that is unroll.me. And so unroll.me is actually a fairly old, established, mature tool. And what it does is it allows you to connect your inbox to the service. And then unroll.me basically goes through and sorts out the subscription-based emails from all of the rest of the stuff. And so now you get this one singular email daily that gives you a roll-up of all of the various emails that you have subscribed to. And then it says to you, hey, do you want to keep this stuff or do you want to kind of purge this stuff? And so you can unsubscribe from things or you can just have it not show it to you so you don't have to see it. And this is incredibly useful. Google, as well as other services, have functionality built in them in them in them for being able to sort and unsubscribe from things but i've just found unroll.me to be really useful for being able to just clean all that stuff up especially with an email inbox as old as i do it's just been around a long time i don't want to get rid of the inbox but i also don't want to see all of those subscriptions but once in a while i want to go hunting for something so say like okay i want to go to bed bath and beyond and do a shopping uh, trip i can go into my email and still find it even though I never want to see those emails unless I'm looking for it. And so unroll.me is really helpful for that particular use case. All right, Augusto, what is your new tool this week? I think you are muted.
1: Three out of three. You know, let's strike out, right? Then I, I get boot out of the show. Um, so, Calendly is my application for the week. And we were talking about sprinkling at the beginning. And as you were, you know, Calendly, it's an application that allows people to look into your calendar. You allows you to set your availability and the kind of meetings you want to have. And people can book directly into your calendar. It is interesting to me how in 2021, we are trying to set a meeting that is conducted in five to ten emails. Coming back and forward is 3 p.m. works, 2 p.m. work, 1 p.m. work instead of here is the link, you will have access to my whole calendar. Let me know if you can find something. So if you are one of those people who struggle with calendar, hey, this is your solution. I mentioned a case on this that I believe to this day is brilliant. And it is the CEO is Michael Selinski for Nosby. You want to meet with him? Okay, he has times for meeting with the CEO of Nosby and it's available to all his customers. They will get an email, they so will get into a bunch of places, meet with him. And he just basically have a couple of slots in his calendars that are pre-blocked for that. So if you are a customer, you want to talk to him, do that. Imagine, you know, for our listeners, how many people can now come. And have that conversation and what you are going to gain out of having those really valuable conversations with clients, with clients, with friends, everything else. So I use Calendly. If you ask me, let's meet, I will forward you a link and you can now look at my calendar, look at yours, make your best decision without every party involved into that decision.
0: Fantastic. I use something akin to Calendly and have for many, many years, and uh, it just saves so much time. It really does. And I've, I've only had a few instances of people not wanting to use the tool. And really, it's just a matter of if, if four people every year don't want to use the tool or are you know, technologically not sophisticated enough to be able to use the tool. That's only four meetings that I have to manually schedule versus the hundreds of meetings that happen throughout my year that just get automatically placed into the calendar based on my rules and my approval of those calendar events with just seamless capability. So tools like Calendly are such a great time saver. And, uh, and, and yeah, I just can't, I can't say more uh, highly of using tools like Calendly that get you, uh, things onto your calendar. So with new tools of the week out of the way, let's move on to our featured story this week, Augusto, which is understanding Microsoft Viva.
1: Oh, I thought I had strike out and didn't need to talk about Microsoft. I try, I try. <laughs> I try. Uh, so Microsoft Viva, there is a long article in Tom Talks talking about the what they know and they have found, and we have continued finding about Microsoft Viva. But basically Microsoft Viva will be four products connections, insights, topics, and learning. So one dedicated to culture and communications where they're going to try to integrate Teams and Jammer and some of those tools that they have acquired over the years, productivity and well-being where you're going to get analytics and stuff, knowledge and expertise that I'm going to assume that is a version or the version, new version of lynda.com acquired by LinkedIn and then acquired by them. And finally, skill and growth. So they are going to have these four modules that you will be able to add to your Office 365, and hopefully it's going to allow your employees to have a much more complete Microsoft experience.
0: Yeah, so they're calling this an employee experience platform or an EXP, and they're really bringing all of these communications, well-being, learning, and knowledge discovery tools into this one Kind of brand, and there will be a, a wide variety of different plans for the various modules that will be included within Office 365, Microsoft 365, as well as Exchange. And my greater curiosity here is that with these four different fundamental groupings of tools, I, I'm I'm just really curious where Microsoft sees this fitting in the grander, really corporate ecosystem for employees. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by what they really feel like this will do for employers to help employees be more productive. And from my perspective, there are a lot of pieces here where really the ultimate goal is to collect data about employees so that they can provide them with information and surface that information appropriately like in a in an appropriate time frame so that employees can then engage with that content which will then give more data to the system which will then help both individuals as well as the employers the managers and the employers see whether or not that makes people more or less productive and by doing so we're really creating this hopefully virtuous cycle and not creepy monitoring you know kind of world where people can actually be more productive because they're being given the right information at the right time to be productive and so it it has kind of big bridges to fill in the sense that it's a it's a tall order to see how much viva is trying to take on all at once right Viva Connections itself, trying to be able to surface this SharePoint portal in this particular way. And then, of course, Viva Insights, which is just data analytics and information being, you know, kind of pipelined into these dashboards, both for the individuals and for the managers. Uh, But then, you know, like they're using AI for being able to pull up and surface information and then learning, which is, in essence, tying not only into... LinkedIn Learning, but also into Saba and these other uh, connected platforms, these third-party platforms that are trying to infuse the system with data. Viva is, is very interesting to me, and it makes me um, think about what Microsoft's long game here is for their ability to keep their corporate clients happy for how much they're spending on subscription versus how much they're spending for having software of yesteryear. You bought a license to, to Office, to uh, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and maybe Access or, you know, publisher, the other various tools, and then you owned it and you would own it for six, seven years, maybe 10 years before you upgraded to the next version, Microsoft's gone to this 365 platform where they're expecting people to have to pay every month and every year for each user seat. And so they're trying to provide more value on top of that on a continual basis. And it seems like Viva is their next kind of push to be able to say, hey, I know you're paying for these pieces, but look at all of the extra value that we can now provide you because we're collecting all of this data.
1: Well. You need to look at all this extra value we can provide you if you pay a little bit more per seat.
0: Well, I mean, Viva is giving away some tier for free of most of these products to 365 licensees. And so that that's a... a I don't think it's just a modicum of additional value. It's actually a, an appropriate amount of additional value. And then they're saying, if you want more, if you want to really go deeply into this, then you can go ahead and upgrade to get greater features. I don't think I have a problem with that. I mean, it obviously costs money for them to be able to make these platforms you know, run and stay uh, sound. And so I see Viva being a really interesting platform. I don't know if I were an employee that I would certainly like it as much from the perspective that it does seem like they're collecting a lot of data about me and it kind of pushes up against my creep factor. Like it seems creepy. Um, but at the same time, I also... If it gave me the data analytics that I'm really interested in seeing, if I worked in a complete Microsoft environment, I kind of want to know that data. And that's me personally. I like to see data. And so I feel tugged by those two competing forces.
1: I agree. I agree. It's going to be a matter if they make it actual virtuous or vicious.
0: Um, Again, that's up to the employer, right? I, I think the employer ultimately makes that decision. Microsoft is just providing the platform. And, uh you know, they're providing the hammer, what you do with the hammer uh, is unfortunately up to the employer here. And so Good employers will not abuse this, uh, but we're obviously, you know, give it six months, give it nine months. You'll hear us talking about how employers are either using this for good or for ill. It's just going to come out in the wash. So if you are an employer and you're listening to us, uh, feel free to just not do creepy, stupid stuff uh, with a Aviva. And that will uh, probably keep you out of us talking about you on anything but idle in the future. With that augusto any final comments or thoughts about viva well then with that we've covered the productivity news for this week we've done it again thanks augusto for helping me each and every week bring anything but idle to listeners
1: hey it's my pleasure it's always fun
0: Fantastic. So that's Augusta Pinaud, and that brings us to the end of our show. If we missed a story, we do collect additional stories. We don't cover every story on the show every week. Uh, we do put those into an extra story section in our show notes. But if we did miss a story for some reason, <laughs> go over to anythingbutidle.com, uh, and you can go ahead and uh, let us know either by visiting the episode page or you can go to Twitter we are at anything but idle you also can find Augusto and myself on our on our individual twitter profiles but you can go to anything but idle you can tweet or dm us there We'll see the messages. If you have a question or a comment about anything we discussed uh, during the show, please feel free to leave a comment on anythingbutidle.com on the episode page. So this is episode 51. So if you go to anythingbutidle.com forward slash 051, you will find the episode. It'll just naturally take you to that episode page. You can go ahead and leave a comment or question there. While you're on Anything But Idle, you'll also find our show notes, which includes links to all the stories we covered this week, including the extra stories, tools of the week. And so our new tools of the week are are, are there and a text transcript that's provided both in PDF for downloads. So you can download it and listen along on the page, or you can actually click on that little read more link on the Anything But Idle page, and it'll actually expand the transcript. It's a machine-generated transcript, but it'll help you get along and know what we're talking about as you're tracking along with the audio in the episode. If this is your first time listening to us on the live stream, feel free to click the subscribe button. That'll help get you notified about future live shows. And then, of course, if you're listening in the podcast, feel free to subscribe, follow, whatever the terminology is these days. Uh, But it allows you to be able to, for free, download or access new episodes when we put them out. And we put them out the day after we do the show live here uh, on Mondays. So thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, watching and listening to Anything But Idle each week. And so with that, uh, see you all next time here on Anything But Idle. Here's to your productive life.